Welcome to another segment of the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition. Recorded Wednesday, July 17th, 2013. I'm Jeff King, and today, like I said, is an interview week. And we will be talking with... Charles White of Fabled Environments. That's right. So Charles has something on Kickstarter right now. Uh, this is a little bit different than what you've been hearing from us probably recently. We've been doing a lot of board game related stuff. But Charles, what do you have on Kickstarter right now? We actually, um, this is our second Kickstarter we've done. This one is actually a two-story high school floor plan for role-playing games. Yes. So for all of us that have been role-playing over the years and have always been looking for uh, great maps to use, Charles is trying to provide those for us. <laughs> <laughs> so like, let, let's go ahead and uh, take a step back. So first, Charles, uh, your company that you're going by is Fabled Environments. How did that come about? How did you decide to go that route? It actually started, wow, quite a long time ago, almost 10 years. I've been gaming for, geez, almost 25 years now and started doing a lot of modern gaming and could never find maps and got really frustrated. And I'm sure that most of your listeners and you've probably experienced the same thing where you kind of cobble something together, maybe grab a map from a building you've been in or something like that. Luckily for me, though, my wife is a interior designer and an architectural drafter, so she's been working commercially for years. And that kind of one thing led to another, and so she started doing a few of these floor plans that I could use. And then we realized, hey, there's got to be tons of folks like me out there. The funniest thing about this, though, however, is my wife has never gamed a day in her life. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting to translate all this to her, so... Right. Yeah, so that was kind of how we were born. We actually started out as an imprint of 12 to Midnight, who some of you folks, your folks might know. They did uh, horror gaming, and their big thing is ETU. They actually, I guess, merged, bought out something like that with uh, Pinnacle Games now. But they gave us our shot and helped us figure out how to reach folks with our maps, and the rest is kind of history. Okay. Now to give you a couple questions that we ask uh, almost every guest we have. The first would be, generally speaking, uh, unless you want to be specific, what do you do as a profession, sir? Ah, you know, no one asks that. <laughs> I actually, and I don't mind being specific at all, I work for an organization that recovers solid organs and tissues for transplant. Nice. So I actually am a liaison in the hospital, and I, I work with education and compliance, and basically I'm a face in the hospital. That's a first for us. <laughs> <laughs> kind of figured. <laughs> And what makes you a geek, sir? Oh, geez. Uh, just about everything. No, um, <laughs> I've been role-playing for years, and then just my love of esoteric knowledge is, and everything that is fantasy and science fiction. I mean, I jokingly say I'm not the best geek in the world because it's so fun to watch, look at people and all the books they've read and go, gee, I really wish I had that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, I've been role-playing, and I've played so many different systems, it's not even funny. So that's been a huge love of mine. One I've started asking recently, because on the podcast proper, we like to point out that you can be a geek and you can be passionate about just about anything. So do you have any passions that you geek out about that people might not associate with geeks? I geek out about church history. <laughs> there you go. That is a good example. <laughs> what I, I've done a lot of articles. My background is interesting, as, as interesting as my day job. I actually have two master's degrees. One master's degree is in Master of Arts in Religion, so in American in Church History, and then my advanced master's, which there aren't many of those left anymore, it's called the Master of Sacred Theology, is in the area of American Religion and Culture. 
So I've actually done several articles. I'm writing for Savage Insider now, but on religion in gaming and talking about pantheons and talking about using historical models to uh, use in your fantasy games. So it's been really kind of fun to take that background and apply it to my love of gaming, and it's been a blast. Excellent. So you are providing primarily modern maps for role-playing environments. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. What made you decide? I mean, I know you talked about a little bit that you were having problems finding maps. Uh, Is that the sole driving force behind you creating a business around this? Pretty much. It was kind of one of those aha moments where, you know, it could have been easy enough for us just uh, for her to create a few for me, but they are labor intensive. And, but that was really the driving force. We went to, to 12 to midnight. Actually, I have a good friend at Pinnacle Games, Clint Black, who we showed our stuff to, and he thought it was a brilliant idea. And from there, he introduced us to the folks at 12 to midnight, and then they thought it was a great idea. So that's when we kind of got confirmation and said, well, heck, let's move forward with this and really try and make this into a business. So that's kind of where everything began, really, and why we were doing what we're doing. For your business side of things, do you – enjoy the business side of the creative space or uh, is that just kind of a byproduct of having these maps that you want to get out to the public it depends on the day of the week really Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no it's a it's a love hate and i would say just about anybody in the gaming industry will tell you that because i love and i'm very proud of what we do but the curse that is dealing in the gaming industry is that you make things you write things you but you don't always get a chance to play things because you're the one making it. So it does become very time consuming. And I think that's the, the, the downside of the business that I don't like is not having time. But I've always enjoyed and it kind of goes with my, my full time job, too. I enjoy sharing this stuff with folks and really interacting and really having a blast seeing how they use our products. So I, I think that's probably one of the biggest joys I get. But it can be a, definitely be a love hate relationship. I think you might have kind of answered uh it's a couple of things that popped into my head, but what is the toughest aspect for you being involved in the gaming industry? Ooh, I think it's the ability. Well, it's the ability to balance having to present the company and having to try and you'll know, get our word out because we are small with the desire to just kind of sit at a table and play. Yeah, because I always feel the need to run a modern game. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I love modern, and I've pushed the envelope on what that is, but there's just sometimes when you just want to sit down with a sword and a shield and go to it, and you feel kind of that pull to always want to represent the business. And that's been, I think, one of the tougher things. So then what's the thing that helps get you out of bed every day then? what What's your, your, your big positive then for being on your side of the gaming industry? Well, one just, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, I just love having our own business. But not only that, I'm excited by the fans that will email pictures in of maps in, in play or will make suggestions or ask things like, so what's the next Kickstarter going to be for? And things like that. That it just It always blows my mind to see how popular some of these maps are and how they're used way beyond even what my wife or I even thought they'd be used for. That kind of stuff really gets me out of bed and gets me energized. I've had a chance to look at, at a, a couple of the maps. Charles was nice enough to send me a couple to kind of check out. And I got to say that I mean, you're you're putting out some beefy product. I mean, you're <laughs> you're not really uh just saying here's a one sheet of paper map uh, go go for it. 
Uh, I believe the smallest one that you sent me was like 19 pages and great instructions on how to use it and how you, if you want to use it and uh, the ability to uh, turn off text and turn off the grids and all kinds of little things that you can do with it. So you can actually use the map however you want to. That is awesome. What goes into uh, this, a long way, a compliment slash long way for me to get to uh, when you sit down and I, I believe you said you, you, you do all of these with your wife. Your, your wife does the majority of the... Yeah, she does all the drafting, okay. all the drawing. So what's your typical design process and what, what do you keep in mind? Do you have like checklists or something when you guys sit down and decide, okay, we need this new map. Uh, let's start working on it. What's that process like for you? Well, there's a couple of different ways it happens. We work with a bunch of different, not a bunch, but several different game companies and sometimes they'll come to us and they'll say, hey, we could really use a map like X for our adventure. And one of the things that we try desperately to do, and our philosophy in our whole business has been we want to make uh, our products approachable and affordable, be it for the professional or for the end user. So we've done things like on our smaller maps, we've provided 8.5 by 11s of those maps for reprint to the publisher free of charge. And then what we do is we bundle and we retain the rights. So that'll drive us on some of the, the designs that we do. Some of it is also just fans going, hey, this would be really cool if you could do this. Or just thoughts that we have. We have a list that we've uh, generated of some things that we want to do, and we kind of work our way through that. We try and have some consistency as to a group with other publishers being involved. That hasn't always been the case here lately, but that's generally how we go about it. And once we figure out what we're going to do, then Krista's rule of thumb my wife who does all the drafting, is that she has to be able to research it. When she does these maps, she does them pretty much as if she was going to deliver these as a product for a client. And I mean a, a real-world client, uh, not a gaming client. So she wants these to be as detailed and as accurate as possible, which you alluded to. But also, you got to be able to take a look and be able to research the product. I'll give you a good example really quickly, which is our airship, this is just kind of funny, when we were approached to do an airship that we did in partnership with uh, Spirit of the Century uh, and those guys at that end, she went through and literally spent hours and hours and hours looking through floor plans, anything she could dig up on them. And I inadvertently made the mistake of calling it a Zeppelin, and she yelled at me and said, no, it's not a Zeppelin, it's an airship. <laughs> Airships can be Zeppelins, Zeppelins are not airships, So, or vice versa. But anyways, um, yeah, so I mean she takes that level of detail and really – and make map make sense. So and have and, and be creative with it too. It really shows that the maps <laughs> are just very detailed, and there's multiple ways you can use them. It's a it's a nice product. Well, thank you. And I gotta say, I'm with you on something that you talked about earlier. Basically, the reason you got into this is I still love fantasy and all that stuff, but it, you know there was this shift where the groups I got involved with were more superhero, modern horror, and uh, you know cyberpunk, Shadowrun type games. And there were times, it, it, yeah, I got very frustrated because some of the things that you're you're putting out now weren't available back when I was running games on a consistent basis. And like you said, you had to kind of piecemeal together what you were going to do for the group that weekend or whatever. So it's kind of nice to see not only more of it, but that you're kind of somewhat focused on it right now. Yeah, and it, it's funny because you mentioned that too, because we've even had folks that have said, look, in our home games, we really don't use miniatures. So, But it's nice to at least have something, even if it's in an 8.5 by 11, because we provide it 8.5 by 11 and in full size, 
that you can throw on a table and say, all right, this is what the environment we're playing in. And so that people can look at it and go, oh, well, then I, I do this or I do that or I interact with this or that. It just adds that, that visual component that just really helps build a story. Yeah, it, it really does. I actually just did that this past weekend, I think it was. I ran a Shadowrun 5th Edition one-shot for that release, and I did the same thing. I just did a print-off and, and handed it to everybody and said, this is what Mr. Johnson is telling you. He's giving you the schematics for the building. You're going to go raid kind of deal. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody was like, okay, well, what is this? What is this? You know, So it, that visual component, like you said, even if you're not using miniatures, that visual component is very powerful if you can provide it. Well, especially in certain genres. I mean, you know, like you talk about Shadowrun, you talk about things that are very detail-oriented and planning. If you're going to do a robbery or whatever it is, or vice versa, if you're trying to save the hostages, it's it can be extremely important to understand. All right, where's my entrances? Where's you know what is what does the layout look like? Because your players will take that and run with it, and that's kind of cool as a GM to have them. You throw this down and just have them play with it and play in that environment is just really fun too. Yeah, I actually had a map that had a car on it. They were basically kind of going after like a chop shop. Mm-hmm. And just because the car was there, it had nothing to do with anything else that I originally planned. But I just basically said, and Mr. Johnson says he doesn't want you to touch that car. And of course, instant curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. All right. So you've got a bunch of your maps up on Drive Through RPG, correct? That's Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We've got about a little over 20 right now. Yeah, I was I was scrolling through them. Uh, I think yesterday I was kind of looking through it and uh, was pretty impressed. Well, thank so, you. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go grab some more. I will tell you, since we're on the topic, that I would uh, encourage your listeners that if somebody's looking through the floor plans, going, "Wow, I could really use this collection." One of the things we've done with this one in our last Kickstarter is there's a pledge level where you can get all of our collection, including the high school floor plan. We're doing a new floor plan for the Kickstarter all in one shot. So people that are leaning in that direction, they can support the Kickstarter and do that. And it's it's very cost effective. So That kind of leads into a question I, I had. You've got a bunch of maps on DriveThruRPG. This will be your second Kickstarter. Your first one was successful. This one is already successful and funded with time left. And we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what made you decide that you needed to take this to Kickstarter? What what was the decision process there? It's because these things are so incredibly huge. I mean, I know you've taken a look at the shopping mall. The shopping mall was 1.5 million square feet and literally took months. And just talking with my wife, we, we talked about wanting to do some larger projects. Actually, the funny thing is, is the first one that was was suggested to us was a high school floor plan that we needed to do that. And as we looked at it, we realized that the amount of time that it would take to put into it, we might never, ever get that money back because it would have to, we'd have to sell so many of them. Not to mention that we may have to sell it at a higher price point. So the good thing is, is there were so many folks that had talked about, or at least I had enough inkling of folks that had talked about wanting to do uh, these larger floor plans that we said, well, you know, the great thing to do would be throw it out there in Kickstarter. What Kickstarter did for us, the first one, is to figure out if that's the direction we need to be going. Do we need to be doing large floor plans like that? And the the uh, response was overwhelming. And so we knew that was something that was folks really wanted was these larger floor plans. But what it does is it allows us to have backers back it up front. And so we can put the time and the energy into it. And then release it later down the road through drive through as well. So pick up some funding that way too. Right now 
on Kickstarter, you have the high school floor plan. Yes. Uh, that's the one you're doing right now. So if anybody's looking, for, and of course, anything that has a link that we've talked about during this interview will be in the show notes. So make sure you check out our show notes if you want a quick way to get to this stuff. But if you're on Kickstarter, it's called Fabled Environments, a high school floor plan for RPGs. Uh, so let's see, you were looking for 1500 and you're currently a little over 1800 and you've got uh, until July 25th, it looks like. So you're going until July 25th. It's about seven days, yeah. You said you have a bundle on here for uh, you can pick up all the stuff off a of drive-through RPG plus support this map. Exactly, and there's there, awesome. we have a ton of different tiers, and we did that because there were so many people saying, "Well, what about this? What about that?" And we didn't want it to get too crazy, but we did want to make sure there were some key ones in there, like the ability to pick up the entire collection, or um, if there's certain things you really like. We did one where we tried to dream up as many maps that would fit kind of a going to work theme so you know you have your high school and then the kids go to work so all those different locations you might be able to use in that type of an adventure or a campaign so a lot of things like that i'm just looking down here if you just want the map the high school map that's ten dollar pledge yep and if when it's released it's going to be released to the backers and then 30 to 45 days later it'll go out on rpg to the general public and it will be priced at at least fifteen dollars so you're getting a really good break in price. So for something like this, what do you do as far as stretch goals? How do you plan those out for uh, a map of a specific environment that you're trying to do? Well, the first one we did, we tried to just focus on fleshing out the map. With this one, I tried to do things a little bit differently. So we're, what, what the plan is, is we've got some areas built in. We're going we're gonna to detail two standard classrooms, two lab classrooms, the cafeteria, the gym, the library and the school office kind of area with the assistant principal and principal office. Everything else is going to have the footprint, so it's going to be there. It's just not necessarily detailed. We're also going to include some icons so that people can detail it out if they want to or just simply describe it as they want to. But the stretch goals, we have dual stretch goals on this one. One set of stretch goals actually fleshes out the map. So the one we've already hit is a modular classroom, uh, which is kind of cool because it can be used so many different ways. Then there's various areas that get detailed out, football stadium, uh, the auto body class area, the parking lot, things like that that we'll do in much more detail. But the other set of stretch goals, and this is what's different from our last Kickstarter, is we wanted – when I was looking at this, I wanted to make sure if somebody got the map and we hit these stretch goals the way I would love to see us do it, is you'd have a complete package. So the folks over at Silver Griffin Games, Kevin Rohan's going to do an adventure uh, both in Savage Worlds and in their home system, uh, at the front end and back end of our stretch goals, so one of each. Nice. At one pledge level, we combine two great things. One is over two dozen figure flats from Aryan Games, so are, who are just amazing, amazing guys. But it's going to be uh, teens, adults, armed guards, zombies. Uh, so, I mean, you can really just take these and throw them on the table, and there you go. Plus 20 item cards that an artist by the name of Simon Bray, who's amazing, is doing. 15 mundane items so you can kind of give them out to your players, especially if you're doing some sort of a horror campaign, but also five unique items that are going to could be a focal point, like a rune-covered book or something like that. So if you have that, you can pretty much throw it down on the table and play, it, and it gives you a whole lot of flexibility. A lot of other great ones. We had uh, the, the face of the Kickstarter is Ian Lannis, an incredibly talented artist, and his rendition of kind of the post-horrific, apocalyptic gymnasium and He's thrown in um, two other pieces, if we can hit those stretch goals, that I've seen that are absolutely amazing. One's a hallway and one's a, a classroom. 
So there's a lot of great people involved in this and a lot of great stretch goals. But wanted to do more than we did last time, which is just flesh out the map. Your video still for your project warms this uh, horror geek's heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the great thing is that one of the rewards on the Kickstarter is getting that print. Because I, I don't know about you, but I use a trifold GM's map, and I'm always going and trying to find art. And that was another thing I was thinking is that that piece could be central to just about any horror game. If you're not playing it in high school, it just sets a tone. And so it's really neat to have that art, but it's art that you can use for your own personal consumption as a desktop or anything like that. But yeah, he does amazing. And you mentioned cyber uh, cyberpunk. He does some amazing cyberpunk stuff and has actually done some stuff for Paizo as well. I mean, he, uh, it's like he, there's nothing he can't do. Your former project was the mall, right? Yes. That one, wow, 267% funded, so you did really well with that one. <laughs> yeah. So do you have plans beyond the one that we're looking at here now that you're you, – you, do you have others that you're thinking of bringing to the Kickstarter arena? Oh, yeah. We've had people that have really – it's kind of funny. Every time you launch one, somebody says, what about, what about, So, and, which is great. I love it. No, the next one's going to be a hospital. Oh, nice. Um, and it's probably – it's funny because of my background. I know we have to be very careful with that, so it's probably going to be – more of a community-esque hospital. I mean, it's going to have some size to it, but it's not going to be one of those monster hospitals because we can't. That That is way beyond what we can do. But we can give you something that's going to have every kind of feature you'd expect in a hospital, uh, including lovely morgue space uh, <laughs> uh, and your OR spaces, but make it in such a manner that we can actually put it together and provide it forward. So at this point, when you're looking at your uh, business as a whole is Kickstarter kind of become part of that process now, as far as you're concerned. Yeah, absolutely. What we're gonna tr we're trying to work towards, and this has been our first one was that test to kind of figure out a lot of pieces, and with this one, it's going to be more perfection. We've gotten we know we can get things tighter in our time from funded to release, so we're going to probably do about two of those a year, and then we're still looking another component. There's three components to the business. That would be one. The other would be releasing our own maps and the third would either be commission work which we've done for a few people already or just simply like i mentioned before having people approach us and say hey it would be great if you had a map like this that we could use so there's really three components to our business i'm kickstarter is uh, i won't lie it, it's amazing to be able to have that funding up front and it's just nice versus having the funding as time goes forward so it's it's very helpful but really for us it's not really even that it's just the ability to be able to devote some time to these larger projects and, and have the financial means to do that. You have a fabledenvironments.com website Yep. as well. Is there anything uh, that we can get over there that uh, we should direct people to? Well, yeah, there's, we actually do have some print product there. Okay. One of the things that we've been kicking around, and, and hopefully as we become more known, um, we'll do more of that. What we've heard from a lot of people is they're having challenges actually getting printed copies of maps primarily because they go to a large chain store and they charge them an amazing amount of money, 9, 10, 12 bucks to get a 36 by 48 sheet printed off. Whereas we're able to offer that a lot cheaper because we can do it in bulk and because of who we use. I'm not bashful to give advice to, to folks to tell them what we do, which is you work through a print supply company that does Y format or an architectural supply company uh, who does blueprints, and just walking in the door, you'll save yourself 50% easy from the cost and the large formats. The other nice thing, too, that I like to share with people is if you um, 
want it laminated, especially even if you buy it from us or not, go to a teacher supply store. Um, they usually have wide format printers, and you can get it for a song. But really, we kind of started to provide print product just for the people that didn't have the time or are in smaller rural areas that really couldn't get to these types of locations. So, What kind of lessons have you learned off of using the Kickstarter process? One is uh, read everything before you post it. That's a big one. <laughs> there you go. We, one of the things your, your readers, will, and I'm a little embarrassed about it, is that we went through and one of the tiers, I didn't quite read it thoroughly. And so I, I left a piece off. And so there's actually, at the same price level, there's a one level, then there's a corrected level. And it doesn't matter which one you, you bid at, you're going to get the corrected level. But it's embarrassing to have to do that. But um, also the one thing I learned a lot of is just listen. It's amazing how, how much backers will drive the process. And you have to be careful with that. But we've had so many great backers that have said, hey, what about a pledge level where I could do this? Or um, have you ever thought about adding this feature? Is this possible? And even if they can't, they like just being heard. But they've given us such amazing ideas of things to think about in the future or even that we can potentially do with this that it's it's changed somewhat where I think we started. So that's great. But those have been the big lessons. And also starting as early as possible trying to get the word out about these Kickstarters. And it's always very difficult because you you, you have to hit a fine balance. You're, you're really excited about your project. You want to get that out to the public. But if you're on venues like Facebook or, or things like that, you don't want to oversaturate and make people angry either. I think one of my really, really good friends has talked about kind of the, the saturation level of Kickstarter that he's just done with it because everybody's got their own Kickstarter. Well, it's helpful for people to understand why we do it and why we have to do it. And I think that people enjoy these Kickstarters. It's it's really cool stuff that are, that's coming out. Yeah, I agree. And without Kickstarter and stuff, I mean, we, we might still be searching for these modern maps yeah. <laughs> or uh, they wouldn't be as public. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, you, you're going through drive through RPG, which is uh a fairly known name and a place that uh, at least I had kind of started looking for maps off and on. I think that's the biggest challenge, though, is that, like you said earlier, is you just got to get to a place where you know that these maps exist, yeah. that you're you're not stuck with having to use these things you've cobbled together. Because it's funny, I've been on boards before where people have said, yeah, I really want this kind of map. I can't find it anywhere and I'm thinking, we've been on drive through for since 2006. We're there. Uh, <laughs> we've got all these maps. Yeah, that that's a good question then. I mean, that's what do you do to help promote yourself beyond having the Kickstarter and stuff? I mean, wh- what steps have you taken to let people know, hey, we, we exist and our maps are here? It's been hard. We have done a lot through Facebook. We've done things through cons. Uh, the other great thing is the people we've partnered with on these projects – have shared it with their side and their fans, so that's helped, and that's been a huge marketing boon for us as well. But we always continue to struggle. I mean, folks like y'all in the podcast community and in the bloggers have been really gracious enough to take a look at our product and provide reviews and, and turn people on to it. And I think that's why we've been able to slowly grow and, and people have been able to figure out who we are. Do you use Twitter and stuff like that? Do you have you built up a following? I have not. It's, it's funny. I, it's not that I'm technologically challenged by any way, shape, or form because I, I love technology. It's funny. I think you reach a point where, and I've been. I 
I never thought I'd say this, but where technology outpaces your age, because I was talking to some guys uh, on another podcast, and we were talking about Google Plus, and I'm like, and they're like, "Well, you're on Google Plus, right?" Uh, no. Well, that's where everybody is. Really? <laughs> I felt like you know the guy with the Betamax, and you know, it's all on VHS. You know. I'll fully admit to you, is Google Plus. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the benefits of that. So my co-host runs most of that side. I mean, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus, but I don't do much with the Google Plus part of it. I let him do that. Yeah. And it's taken me a while to warm up to Twitter. I enjoy it because it's very interactive, but it's very quick. And it's taken me a while to get used to that. Plus, I'm not the kind of person that can be summed up in 140 characters, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I tend to post more on our Facebook page because I can post a paragraph or whatever to go to, to get my thoughts out or whatever. But it's taken me a while, too. And like I said, even uh, the Google Plus side, Jordan, have at it, and I'll chime in every once in a while. <laughs> Then are you fine? Okay, you said you're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So do you have a, a bit of a following then on Facebook that you've built up? A little bit. I, mean, the, the, I tend to I – mean, I'm involved in several, several, several different boards. So I try and stay active on those because the last thing anybody hates is just somebody cruising by, hey, check out our stuff. <laughs> but no, so I think people have – I've met a lot of people in the industry through that. I know a lot of people in the industry, so that's been helpful. And I've got a lot of friends – so just staying active on the boards has been a great way for people to yeah. kind of be engaged about what we're doing too, which is really nice. But yeah, we've got a decent following on our, our, our page. I think maybe that's another problem that I have too is that I do share a lot through my personal account as well. So we do pull some people in that download a map and say, hey, this Fable environments, they're pretty cool. Let's go like them on Facebook. But I try and do it kind of both ways without being obnoxious. So I'm just trying to figure out where you think you're getting most of your backers from. Do you think they're just finding you or are they repeat customers or are they people you've built up relationships with prior to going on Kickstarter? I think it's a mash. I think one of the most wonderful tools ever known to man through Drive-Thru RPG is the ability for me to send an email out to all of my customers, anyone that's ever purchased a map from us. And as long as it's not done in, again, overly, but it's a great way to connect back to customers. We've had thousands, literally thousands of people that have downloaded our maps and, and purchased maps. So being able to blast out an email to 3,000 people and say, hey, I'm a, I've got a Kickstarter and drive through supports that now because we are using them to um, fulfill the Kickstarter. So uh, they're supporting that. And so it gives me a good outlet to my customers. And that's where we're getting a lot of these backers from. So that's been huge, 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 huge. But also going through the different boards on Facebook and just posting about the Kickstarter, we've gotten some good response that way too. Getting back to kind of like the lesson side of things, you've had these two Kickstarters now. Is there anything that you've kind of looked back at and just kind of gone, man, I really wish I wouldn't have done this that way? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it goes back to my original uh, lesson we learned, which was getting like with this with this Kickstarter, having more tie-ins with things like paper minis and things like that. I don't know. I mean, things we wouldn't do. I think again, I think it goes back to how we would promote the Kickstarter. I think there are ways, and I've talked to some folks about this to really build hype. I guess is a bad word, but I'll use it anyways around the Kickstarter even prior to launch, because. It is such a slow-moving uh, train at first to get people to get to that Kickstarter 
and get people to know it's there. And then it's all of a sudden a moving, a fast moving train, but then you've only got five days. So that's the difficulty. But now I, I think we've, we've thought through this pretty strongly. I won't say we haven't made mistakes because we have, but uh, I think when we look at this, some things may be tweaked, but generally speaking, I think the pattern we've got and the way we've presented it is pretty good. The challenge we're going to run into in the future is hope, and I, this is a hope I, I have, I think it's a good thing, is we're going to eventually become a victim of our own success where I'm going to have to get even more creative with pledge levels because there's only so many times you can offer the entire catalog. You may saturate that. So, I mean, it's great to have it, but eventually people are not going to pick that up or large portions of maps are not going to pick it up. We also have had people that have really cried out they want print maps. And so we're going to have to take a look at some of those options too. I think you talked about it a little bit earlier, or you mentioned it that you know your friend was talking about the saturation of Kickstarter. I think some people are, are feeling that there's a saturation in Kickstarter, but I think we're also getting to that point where questions like what I just asked you are getting more public. So mm-hmm. the, le- the lessons learned are starting to come out more, and people are starting to find the process behind, kind of like you said, things that you can do even like months before you launch to go into a launch feeling confident and successful at launch uh, and then be able to ride out the lull that happens in midstream and all that. And stuff. know that's okay. Yeah. That if it, you don't have anybody to turn to, to say, what's going on here? Have I made people mad? Is my product stink? What's going on? Um, that can get nerve wracking. And that happened to us on the first Kickstarter where we had some people back and then nothing. And I was looking at this going, is this a stupid project? Is Should we be doing this? There's a great uh, board on uh, Facebook. It's Kickstarter's best practices. It's for any Kickstarter at all. And the great thing is, is you go to the group and you've got people that have never gamed a day in their life. They don't know anything about board games, but they know about these products. So they look at a, they can look at it objectively and say, well, this is what I see. It's a group of people that have been involved in successful Kickstarters. And you can go to that group and say, you know, hey, I've got a new Kickstarter can you take a look at it and give me your opinion? They'll they'll give you very harsh criticism. I mean, not in a bad way, but they'll definitely take a look at it and give you some good advice. And it's people that aren't just in the gaming industry. These are people from all the spectrums that Kickstarter deals with. I think that's actually where you and I started talking at one point. Oh, exactly. It was. I, I, yeah. I forgot. You even forgot about that. Because I was asking the yep. question, hey, anybody know any podcasts that I get this out on? Because that's the other challenge, too, is that not knowing where to bring your product to, uh, that, that can be a challenge because we all have our favorites and there's some really great stuff out there that we may have not discovered. And, and I will tell you, it's, it's great when you have people that immediately pop up and say, hey, this is a great avenue to check out. And then you've got folks that are like, hey, I, I like supporting Kickstarter, so definitely we want to learn more about your project. So that's that's great. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed those pages that you've been talking about on uh, the Facebook recently because they... They do offer a kind of a one-stop shop for getting that type of advice. So I've been asked to look at a lot of Kickstarters before they start and stuff like that and offer advice. And it's just kind of nice to to be able to say, you know what, if you join this group, either they're going to tell you exactly what I'm going to tell you anyway, <laughs> and you don't have to hum and haw about whether or not I actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Or they'll give you some things that maybe I, I might miss even along the way. It's always nice to have multiple eyes on stuff like that. It is, and you get multiple opinions. Sometimes you get conflicting opinions, but generally you can find the middle ground in there and really understand where people are coming from. But I'll tell you, I think the most valuable people on there 
are the people that are outside the scope of projects. So like uh, we've had people come to us with, well, you've probably seen them some, some outside of what we would normally deal with in tabletop and, and uh, things like that. And it's neat to be able to go, Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, let's take what we've learned already on this component and let's try and apply it and see, you know, so that's got a lot of, a lot of fun. Charles, I think we're about ready to wrap up here, but before we go, what's your uh, project again? Uh, my project is a two-story uh, high school floor plan for RPGs designed to house or the needs of a thousand students. So we're really excited about it. And like I said, as always, check the show notes. We'll have all the links in there. But this is called Fabled Environments, a high school floor plan for RPGs. He was only looking for 1500 and has already got over 1800 and it goes until July 25th. So definitely check it out. Charles, thanks for coming on. It's been awesome talking to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for uh, producing maps that I can use in my modern games. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.